and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. So whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 6, episode 17, Normal Again. What an episode. I liked this episode a lot. I didn't know if I would or not, but um, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, so I was all prepared to go into this episode being like, this is one of the worst episodes of Buffy ever. I hate this episode. And I was ready to pick it apart um scene by scene piece by piece and i can't i also actually really liked this episode on and i don't know if it was just this rewatch or if i've always enjoyed this episode but then told myself later on that i don't because the thing is i hate this trope i hate the trope of what if this is all in your head and like the main character of the series doubting that you know the series is their reality because every science fiction and fantasy show does this trope at some point it's Mm -hmm. like the law you know stargate did it uh stargate atlantis did it supernatural did it um bunch of star treks in various forms have done it so you know the all the the old it's all a dream or it's all in your head kind of trope i'm gonna be honest here the only show to ever do it justice in my opinion is star trek deep space nine far beyond the stars which is the best rendition of this trope in my opinion where there is actually the possibility that the entire series is taking place uh in somebody's mind or has been written by somebody um we can get into the verisimilitude of buffy the vampire slayer the series versus what we learn in this episode maybe towards the end of the episode All I can say about that right now is I fucking hate this trope. Uh, It should go die in a fire. But this episode is actually a really good episode for a lot of reasons. Uh, One of those reasons being the amount of times Xander gets beat up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Also, the appearance of one Joyce Summers, who I was so pleased to see. It's also got this... Like at the near to the end, there is this like horror movie aspect to it that I really enjoyed. I was like getting like, ooh, I was like tense, you know, and that was really fun. Very anxiety inducing. So this episode actually reminds me a lot of Earshot from season three. There's a lot of parallels to that episode. Another reason why I liked it so much, I guess, because it kind of took me back to that time, like this monster of the week weekly issue going on but remember in earshot buffy also gets injected or um mixed blood with a demon and gets a power and like a vampire you know angel came to her rescue like there's a whole the whole thing where i was like seeing the parallels that's a really good connection yeah did you have a title for this episode earshot (laughs) 2 
I would call it Now Leaving Sunnydale. Ah, I love that. That's really good. Well, let's get into it. We got lots to talk about, I'm sure. Um, Buffy is in her winter gear again, right? It's cold. It's a bitter cold night on Sunnydale. She's walking down the streets, uh, checking off a list of new rentals. She's clearly looking for the trio. Um, She's on her last one. As she's walking toward a house, she's shown on the trio's camera because she has found the right house. But Jonathan is sleeping on the job. So Warren sprays him in the head with a water gun and Andrew laughs and Warren says, that's what you get for sleeping on the lookout again. And Jonathan says, what do you expect? I haven't had a decent night's sleep since dot 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 but he's he was gonna say since the murder of Katrina but Warren gives him this look and Jonathan says I'm going Jack Torrance in here which is a shining reference he says stuck in this basement for weeks we rented out the whole house can't we at least go upstairs and Andrew's saying we're on the lam we have to lay low underground and Jonathan says it's figurative doofus did you even read Legion of Doom and Warren says enough get back to the monitors and that's when they spot Buffy on the cameras and she's looking through the windows of the house and Warren's like don't panic Andrew deploy your little friend Andrew pulls out a didgeridoo (laughs) and starts playing it. Now, I actually knew somebody who played the didgeridoo professionally, and they're like a really cool instrument. And I'm a little bit thrown that Andrew can just like play it like this. Outside, Buffy is checking the back of the house and a demon attacks her. And I was like, you know what? I think that should include in Buffy immediately that this is the right house, that like a demon happened to attack her as soon as she got there. Thank you. That was going to be my point exactly. This is a tactical error on the part of the trio. They should have had nothing happen. I have so many questions in general. So Buffy is Mm. looking at a sheet of new rentals. I'm assuming Willow just like hacked some kind of database. So I'll stipulate to that. But so she's going like to check out all of these new rentals. Is she just counting on the fact that she's a pretty white girl, that people aren't going to be, like, shooting her for creeping around their houses (laughs) or calling the cops? Like, if Buffy were a slayer of color, people would probably shoot her for peeking into their windows, right? Like, this is America. So so there's that. And then, yeah, like you said, the demon showing up at this house is probably a dead giveaway. I don't know if the trio is just assuming that... Uh, it's Sunnydale, and therefore there's just going to be like maybe maybe this is the third demon attack this night that Buffy has had as she goes to these houses, but also like the trio's like we have to like lay low from whom nobody knows that you killed Katrina. Are they did they put did the police put things together that Warren might have killed Katrina? It's so unclear. Are they just hiding from Buffy? Yeah, I think it's just Buffy. My thing about that was like, just leave. Like, go out of town. Like, why are you staying in Sunnydale? Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's just, maybe we're just nitpicking too much. But I, <laughs> I completely agree with you on the demon thing. Also, like, why does Andrew get to play with his cultural appropriation didgeridoo when really we want to see more of Jonathan and his magic bone? <laughs> right? Jonathan, use your magic bone, please. Uh, so Buffy says to the demon, hi, you didn't by chance happen to eat a couple nerds, did you? And they start fighting and the demon's pretty strong and he throws around Buffy a bit. And then he takes out an arm needle, Kara. We haven't seen an arm needle since season four. <laughs> and he sticks Buffy with it. And um, Buffy is um, is suddenly in this asylum and she's being injected with a needle right where the demon hit her. And we are like, what? Cut to credits. 
So Buffy comes to, like she's um, leaning against the car that she was fighting the demon on, and um, the demon's gone. So in the morning, we're at UC Sunnydale. Willow is practicing talking to Tara by herself. She's like, you want to go for coffee or food or kisses and gay love? And then she's like, you know, I, I'm, I've been without magic for a lot of time, for a lot of days now. Um, then she sees Tara, but then she watches Tara um, greet this girl. And then they kiss each other on the cheek and they laugh together. And Willow just jumps to a whole lot, a lot of conclusions and just leaves quickly. And Tara watches her retreat. Yeah, I was going to ask you if it if we're supposed to conclude that Tara sees Willow. Or sorry, obviously Tara sees Willow. That part's clear. But are we supposed to conclude that Tara knows Willow saw her kissing this girl? Yeah, probably. But I don't think Tara would put to, like, would Tara no- think that Willow was hurt by that? Like, I, that's what I think. I think Tara's smart enough that she's like, Willow's retreating really quickly when usually Willow would probably go out of her way to say hi. So she's like, mm. oh, she must have seen that and then misread the situation. And then she went to go clear things up at the house later. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, I didn't I didn't pick up on that. So you so you think this is a misunderstanding? You don't think this is a new girlfriend? No, no, no. I think and I th- this is why I say she's jumping to conclusions because sometimes people just greet each other that way, right? Like I, I come, my, my husband's family is from Mauritius. We, they give two kisses on the cheek every time they say hi and goodbye, right? It's just the way it goes. Do not ever greet me that way. Well, I planned to just grab your face and give your cheek a snog. No kisses for Kara, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, okay. I'm just, I'm curious. Yeah, because we don't really know at this point, right? Like, what's Tara being doing since Willow and her technically broke up? Maybe she's playing the field, you know? She, Hey, she could have been sleeping with this girl for all we know. It's none, it's none of Willow's business is actually my point. My point was like, you know what, honestly, Willow, I'm glad you're kind of getting... <laughs> a little bit of this um in terms of her new pursuit of tara again because i don't think enough time has gone by i don't think that willow really deserves to get tara back like i'm sorry like i know that you know twillow is a huge ship but like willow has been really awful toward tara this season so i don't think that now's the time to get back together i agree and i felt that way about when when um willow had her affair with Oz, with uh with xander Ugh, the affair where I was like, you know what, Willow, you don't deserve Oz back. So just, you know, let's let's move on. We're back at uh, Delmeet Palace. Buffy still has her job. She took off and as you were. Uh, but apparently she didn't get fired for that. No, a, I think they're still pretty short-staffed. So it was more probably a slap on the wrist. Uh, they probably docked her pay or other wage theft. But also, don't forget... Buffy has dirt on the Double Me Palace. Remember, she blackmailed her way back into this job. I feel like she could just keep pulling that lever. <laughs> it's true. And she also, like, I wonder how many reprimands Buffy gets. You know, like, oh, you keep banging that guy outside. <laughs> you take off with this other tall boy. Uh, she's a problematic employee. Buffy is um, so out of it as she is working. And she's not wearing her hat. Everybody else is wearing a hat, but not Buffy, uh, which is funny because Buffy loves hats. Her manager calls her over. And when Buffy looks up at her, she's suddenly back in the hospital and a nurse is saying, Buffy, it's time for your drugs. And then Buffy like shakes her head. She's back at Double Meat Palace and her manager is saying, if I didn't know any better, I'd think that you were on drugs. (laughs) Okay, that's not something you're supposed to be able to say to your employees. No, it's true. It's really inappropriate. And Buffy says, okay, good. And she goes back to grilling fries, which she burnt. Another infraction on Buffy's end. She's going to get fired real soon. 
at the Summer's home, Buffy and Willow are in the dining room, and Buffy is wearing a really cute turtleneck. And Willow is checking her computer to see if Xander emailed, but he did not. And Buffy's saying, maybe Anya found him, and they're trying to work it out. And she asks if um, she saw Tara, and Willow says, I saw her, saw her completely. When I was seeing her, she was seeing someone else. I mean, not seeing, seeing, maybe. I don't know. It was inconclusive. I didn't stick around to find out. I might have just magicked my fist through a wall or something. And that's how we know that Willow is Xander's friend. (laughs) So Buffy says, I'm sorry. And Willow says, they're probably just friends. I press my lips against my friends all the time. And I was like, you know what, Willow, you did in season three. There's another reference to the affair that Kara's not bringing up. I am. What's wrong with me? So (laughs) Buffy says, I'm sure they're just friends. Once you fall for Willow, you stay fallen. And again, Buffy, you're such a good friend. And Willow has not been such a good friend to you this season. And I'm glad like we're getting more of Willow in this episode being a good friend again, which I like to see. I hope like I'm I'm hoping that it plays out better in in this episode for Willow than it has in the past. But like I just Buffy is asking Willow about her life. And you had mentioned in the previous episode, Kara, that no one's asking Buffy about hers. You know, Xander walks in, Buffy and Willow hug him and say, we missed you. And Buffy tells him that she doesn't like he doesn't need to explain anything to them. And I don't know about you, Cara, but like that's giving him a lot more grace than I would have given him. I would have been like, I need you to explain things to me right now. (laughs) So Xander asks if Anya is here and he needs to find her. Her suitcase is gone and some of her stuff. There's a closed sign of the magic box, which chills me to the bone. And Willow says that she left a couple days ago. And Xander's like, is she looking for him? Did, Did she say anything? And Willow's like between sobs there was mostly just wheezing and Buffy said she was kind of broken and Xander's like I don't know how stuff got so mixed up I blew it and I was like I know how they got mixed up Xander play the tape right play yeah, let's, the tape. let's play it back play the play it back because um I'm pretty sure you proposed to her when you weren't ready to get married got her all excited went through with the entire wedding plan and then left her at the altar that's how things got so mixed up <laughs> right and just to comment on what you said earlier but like well xander's been gone for a while now at least a, i think it's been at least a day or couple two days couple days yeah, yeah. i think par- partly we have to remember right again this is pre everybody having a cell phone that they're on all the time these days if this situation occurred a you would expect the friend to text and be like i'm just gone for a few days Uh, or reply to a text if you texted them b chances are you could do like find my friends or something and be like oh okay this is where they are and they don't want to reply to my texts and that's fine but now i know they're safe without cell phones that becomes a little more challenging so i I can see why they're kind of chill about the fact that he hasn't been around or in touch for a few days but like you said i would still be a little more upset with him in this scene i would still kind of be like xander you left without telling us where you went you didn't leave a note right like you didn't call i don't know maybe that's just me maybe that's unfair of me to expect because he's going through something but i just no like i'm with you on that that's why i said buffy you're being very gracious here because i would have been like you need to explain some things to me Buffy says, uh, no, well, maybe it wasn't the best time to break up with her. And Xander's like, it wasn't about breaking up. I love her. And God, I miss her so much. And the girls are like, you left her at the altar, but you still want to date? Like, it's (laughs) what? And Xander's like, I guess. I know that I'm a better person with her in my life. But things got so complicated with the wedding, with my family and with her demons. And what if it all goes to hell and forever? 
And then I left and ever since I've had this painful hole inside and I'm the idiot that dug it out. I screwed up real bad. Buffy says, hey, we all screw up. And I was like, "You, we sure do, Buffy. Like, that's true. All right. So what are your feelings here? Like, initially, I was like, Buffy and Will are being really good friends for Xander. They're letting him kind of vent. And then they're saying, like, we all screw up. Like, it, it's okay. It's It'll be okay. But, um... I can't, I can't, because, <laughs> like, I, we had sympathy for Xander in the last episode. We did. Um, we used up the rest of our sympathy for Xander for the season. <laughs> right, because I was like, okay, but, like, I feel like everyone's letting him off the hook a little too easily, especially because we know that Xander in the earlier seasons would have been so self-righteous about this had one of them done it. Oh, but if, if Buffy and Angel were getting married, oh. Xander would not have let that happen. He would have sabotaged the wedding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, okay. I have to disagree with you. Mm. Not because I'm defending Xander. I think Xander deserves what he gets. But I think you have to think about it from the point of view of Buffy and Willow, which is... I think they're looking at it as Xander and Anya are two adults and they can make their own decisions and they can make their own mistakes and fuck ups. And it's not our responsibility to do anything about it, which I think is really healthy. They are just here to bear witness. Xander is there at the moment. So they're going to deal with him as they are used to for the past six years or longer for Willow. If Anya were to walk in the door in the next scene, they'd deal with her, right? Because they know both parties. I, that's how I see it, right? Like having talked to friends who've broken up or gone through divorces or canceled weddings, right? It's just kind of like, okay, you do you. You make the choice that's going to make you happy, right? I'm just going to go with it. Interesting. No, I, I hear what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense. I think for me, I just... If my friend had done this, I've just like, who is it because it's Xander, like the, the Xander of it all, where I'd be so disappointed in him that I just I'd have to say something. <laughs> I'd feel for I'd feel for Anya 100 percent in this case. That's why. But yeah, I'd be curious to see what other people think of that. So so Spike is carrying a bag of supplies through the cemetery and Buffy is there, too. And Car, did you notice that Buffy is wearing a condom hat? <laughs> You might be surprised to know I didn't think of it as a condom hat. I'm very curious about where that came from. I did tip. notice she was wearing a hat. And again, she's very bundled up. It, it, I, the hat shape itself uh, is suspect. So um, she's she says she's not looking for him. And he asks her, if she, did she cry at the wedding? Like two hearts joined for eternity. Great pelting showers of rice and so forth. And Buffy's like, oh, you didn't hear? And then he, he like Spike is like, oh, did the families get out of hand? Tear the place apart? And Buffy's like, no. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but she says Xander left. The part, the wedding didn't happen. And Spike's like, wow, gotta say, I didn't see that coming. And Buffy says it was awful. Anya was devastated. And Xander thinks maybe they can still get back together. But he heard her a lot. Buffy, why are you talking to Spike? Why are you gossiping with Spike? Spike yeah. is not a part of the gang. Spike does not need to know about Xander and Anya breaking up. Just stake him already. <laughs> it's cruel what you're doing, Buffy. Um, you know, like, I know that he's toothless and therefore you're like, I don't need to stake Spike. He's harmless. But like, you don't need to talk to him. And I'm just like, why are you inviting this chaos back into your life? Buffy, you broke up with him, like whatever, if you can break up with something in that situation, you walked away and Spike is always saying you're the one that comes to me and like 
you know, you treat me this way, I don't like it. And here she is still doing it. So I think you have a really good point there. I think that she's unwise to be so convivial with him, right? Like, they may not be enemies anymore, but they're not friends. I mean, she kind of makes this point to him at, you know, near the midpoint of the episode when she kind of banishes him again, which I think is great. But like, he shows up in this cemetery or he's in the same cemetery as her. What are the odds? Um, there's 12 of them. Um, <laughs> well, she's obviously in his cemetery, right? Sure. But yeah. she doesn't need to engage with him, right? If he's talking to her, she can just be like, fuck off, Spike. But, you know, she is the one engaging and she's talking to him as if they're on friendly terms. And I think that's a mistake. Yeah, I agree. But you know what? Sometimes I think Buffy is a victim of this, as we all are. Sometimes you just can't avoid the hot goss and you just kind of spread that gossip. So Spike says, some people can't see a good thing when they've got it. And I was like, uh, Spike making it about them. But like you're saying, Buffy kind of opened the door for it to head that way anyway. So Buffy just looks at him. Um, Xander and Willow come over. Willow's also wearing a hat, but a much better hat. Xander says, Spike, I should have known you'd be taken along. Buffy says, hey guys, I found Spike was and was trying to figure out what kind of dangerous contraband he had. <laughs> so she's obviously trying to throw them off the trail again. That like clearly she was never sleeping with Spike. She, he's still the enemy, someone that they can't trust. But I think her, her excuse here that she's like checking his contraband makes sense to me because uh, in the last, in two episodes ago, he was an international arms smuggler. Do you remember? <laughs> They found out. I do. <laughs> so I was like, this is good timing. Um, Spike says, let let's, let me get out of your way and stop bothering you. So he goes to leave and Xander says, yeah, maybe you should do that, Spike. Just run along. Ugh. And Spike says, I guess you know all about that, don't you? You're king of the big exit. I heard it brought down the house. And Xander says, I don't need this crap from you. And Spike says, right, let's not listen to Spike. Might get a bit of truth in you. And God, Kara, I hate to have to pick a side between these two, the two most toxic men on the okay, show. Okay, which side are you going to pick? Historically, historically, I've sided with Xander in the past, like Spike and Xander, Spander, Scuffles. But in this one, I think I'm going to have to side with Spike because Xander just did one of the lowest things that he's ever done to someone, you know, obviously outside of making a guy tap dance himself to death and cheating on Cordelia. But he just left Anya at the altar and he's feeling really bad about it. So the only way that he can make himself feel better or feel like a man again is by belittling like a demon like Spike. Right, because he still believes he's above Spike. So, so you you don't think that he's picking on Spike because secretly he's realized the reason he couldn't marry Anya is he has all of these illicit feelings for Spike, <laughs> and Spander must go whoa, on. Whoa, this is taking a whole new. <laughs> and this turn. is his way of showing Spike <laughs> that he likes him. No, no. I mean, I like where this is going. But that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> um, it's it's more that I think Xander is taking out his like he he's in a bad mood and he's going to take it out on Spike because he still believes he's above Spike, even though Xander has done something really, really shitty and Spike called him out on it. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I don't want to pick a side because I think they're both being just dumb boys right now. And I am 
I am done with that. <laughs> I think I only picked Spike side because he is more clever than Xander. So he did lose this little verbal fight they had. <laughs> and I, it actually reminded me is how much I missed Cordelia. Because remember, Xander used to pick fights with Cordelia all the time. And she would fucking put him in his place immediately. And I loved that. <sighs> so Willow, again, steps in and says, let's turn around and release this very manly thing the other way. <laughs> and Xander's like, I forgot. Willy Wannabite can't hurt me. Dumb to pick a fight, I guess. And Spike says, more than happy to beat you right through your pain, you pathetic poof. And Buffy says, you guys don't. But she's now falling to the ground in pain. Suddenly flash back to the hospital and she's um, sitting in a corner and a doctor is asking her if she can hear him. And she's like, what is this? And he says, do you know who you are? And, or do you know where you are? And she says, Sunnydale. And the doctor, the doctor says, no, none of that is real. You're in a mental institution. You've been with us now for six years. Do you remember? And then we flash back. Spike has fallen um, back, I'm assuming, because Xander pushed him. Uh, Willow and Xander are rushing to Buffy's side and asking her what happened and asking if she's okay. We cut back to the vision. And the doctor is asking Buffy, like, are you okay? Look who's here. And Kara, it's Joyce! <gasps> Joyce! <laughs> and and Hank. <laughs> Hank <laughs> fucking <laughs> Summers. Um, but it's, it's Joycey! It's Soda Joycey! So Joycey says, welcome home, sweetie. And my heart just broke. And Buffy stares and says, mom? Dad? And Joyce says, oh, baby, you're really here. And the doctor says, she's lucid. Keep talking. Maybe that sound of your voice will ground her. And Hank says, sweetheart, we've missed you very much. Honey, can you hear me? And Joyce says, Buffy, stay with us, please. Hank's voice drove her away. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> retreats. Um, Buffy grabs her head and is back at the cemetery. Willow and Xander are supporting her. Spike is saying, let's get her to my crypt. Xander's like, Spike, just go, okay? She's our friend. We'll take care of her. Buffy's like, I'm okay. Willow and Xander lead her home. Spike is like, put an ice pack on her neck. And then he, to himself, he's like, she likes that. Cut to... The next morning? Question mark, Steph says. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question because they're all there. Dawn is awake, but it seems to be daytime. Mm. Uh, so Buffy is telling Willow, Xander, and Dawn that she's been having flashes or hallucinations uh, since the night before last. So I guess it's been two days? Uh, <laughs> yeah, because that was the night that she got poked. And then last night, she talked to Spike. And now... There is the next Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Got wow. it. Wow, time is just going down. by in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry, listeners who watch these episodes and completely understand the timeline. We're, we apologize that we're lost. <laughs> I don't feel sorry. This is how it is. <laughs> well, it doesn't help that, like, we have multiple episodes in our head, right? Because, like, we are listening to the, the podcast episode that's coming out this week. And then we're watching this episode and taking notes and recording it. But we're also thinking an episode ahead. And it's just like, my brain is mush right now. Yeah, we've got a great <laughs> excuse is the point. Anyway, uh, Buffy is telling them that she's been seeing things. And she's like, I was checking houses on that list that Will gave her. Uh, looking for Warren and his pals. And then bam, some kind of gross, waxy demon thing poked me. <laughs> and then Xander... Oh, Xander. I really don't like Xander in this episode. Xander <laughs> says, when you say poke, shut up, Xander. Buffy says, in the arm, because right? she knows like, just like we do. Yeah. Why, why, Xander? Why does everything have to be a sex thing with you? It's misogynistic, right? Like, it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You're a woman. You can get poked. Like, come on. Uh, We're tired. We're done. We're tired and done. Just go away, Xander. Go. Be gone. 
Leave us be. Buffy says it was like, no, it wasn't like I was in, in an institution. There were doctors, nurses, other patients. They told me that I was sick. I guess crazy. And that Sunnydale and all of this, none of it was real. Willow and Xander start to look worried. You know, I think it's really cute that all, like, Xander, Willow, and Don are all sitting together, huddled together on the couch. And, like, they're, like, holding each other. Yeah, Don's, like, grasping Xander's arm. And I'm just like, why are you holding on to Xander, Don? I think, for me, it was kind of like, this is Buffy's make-believe little family. (laughs) Right? Because, like, on the other end, her, her parents are talking to her in this other dimension or whatever she's thinking of. So to have her, like, you know, Sunnydale family right there on the couch it's kind of cute so xander's saying well that's ridiculous what you think this isn't real just because of all the vampires and demons and ex-vengeance demons and the sister that used to be a big ball of universe destroying <laughs> energy <laughs> which you know fair that xander is finally finally somebody's bringing up the fact that dawn used to be the key yeah <laughs> we were just talking about that and as you were right and how like nobody seems to bring this up anymore yeah buffy says i know how this must sound but it felt so real mom was there Dad, too. Uh, They were together like they used to be before Sunnydale. And Willow says, okay. And she goes into peppy leader mode. All in favor of research? Xander, you hit the demon bars. Dig up any info on a new player in town. Donnie, you can help me research. And then as Willow trails off and fades out, we have Buffy having another vision. She's back in a doctor's office this time. And he's telling Joyce and Hank that there's a possibility for a full recovery, but we have to proceed cautiously. And Joyce asks if Buffy could be like she was before any of this happened. The doctor says, you have to understand the severity of what's happened to your daughter. For the last six years, she's been in an undifferentiated type of schizophrenia. Her delusions are multi-layered. She thinks she's some kind of hero. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Silly girl, women can't be heroes. He's like, can you imagine? (laughs) Joyce says, the Slayer, because this Joyce has been paying much more attention. (laughs) This Joyce clued in immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Will you be slaying? This this Joyce doesn't get high. This Joyce is only concerned for her daughter. I don't want this dimension to be real if Joyce doesn't get high. No, I choose Sunnydale. I choose Sunnydale any day. Oh, dear. So the doctor says, well, that's only one level. She's also created an intricate latticework to support her primary delusion. In her mind, she's the central figure in a fantastic world beyond imagination. She's surrounded herself with friends, most with their own superpowers, who are as real to her as you or me. (laughs) It'd be so funny if he said, except Xander. (laughs) Right? Well, he did say most. So basically what he's describing is Buffy's just... Have, playing a really fun video game like yeah. i think it's so interesting that in the 20 years since this episode has come out technology is increasingly enable us to enabling us to have not quite delusions like this right but like what is a shared rpg world what is an experience like Baldur's gate 3 what is a vr video game other than you temporarily having a delusion right and and a, I'm saying all of this and I'm I'm not making fun of people who actually have schizophrenia and experience, you know, delusions or hallucinations or voices, right? Like, this is not me trying to make light of that. But I just want to point out that the way the doctor is describing this just makes it sound like she's 
hopped up on a video game right now. Can we call him Video Game Doctor? Because, again, we're, we're getting another doctor, right, in, in the show. Delusional Doctor. Delusion Doctor. Um, I love it. Doctor Delusional. What he should be doing is writing down all of these ideas because they might make an excellent TV series one day. <laughs> so, yeah. so he should definitely record. <laughs> This is how Joss Whedon got the idea for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> is he is he telling us something? <laughs> He's the Hank in this situation, though. Oh, totally. Um, so uh, the Doctor continues on. More so, unfortunately, together they face grand, overblown conflicts against an assortment of monsters, both imaginary and rooted in actual myth. Every time we think we're getting through to her, more fanciful enemies magically appear. And so here I'm thinking he's like, you know. It's almost like every May, she just becomes more lucid after vanquishing an enemy. And then she sinks back into her delusions sometime around September. Just before sweeps. In the summer, we usually get her back for a bit. (laughs) And she enjoys the beach with us. And then right back. It's weirdly synced to TV seasons. Um, But I do like how the show is poking fun at... The fact that each big bad tends to have been more powerful than, than the last. I I like the meta stuff yeah, in episodes like say. this. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite Supernatural episodes is the Supernatural episode, The French Connection, where Sam and Dean go to an alternate reality where they are Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles and they are actors on a TV show called Supernatural. Hilarious. It's so funny. And and I think that if Buffy had done this before it's time, I think Buffy had done that, right? If Buffy had be like, okay, it's Sarah and Allison Hannigan on a set for a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And we could have a wonderful joke where, where Sarah Michelle Geller could be like, Buffy? What kind of name is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I think they missed that opportunity. I understand that's not exactly what they were going for here, but like anyway. Um Buffy is muttering enemies warren jonathan they did this to me she just skips andrew (laughs) irrelevant she started to struggle the doctor calms her and says it's all right they can't hurt you here you're with your family buffy says dawn hank says that's the sister right because this (laughs) hank summers is just as engaged with his family as the the one in sunnydale doesn't matter what hank version you get all of them don't want dawn uh the the doctor says the magical key buffy inserted dawn into her delusion actually rewriting the entire history of it to accommodate a need for a familial bond but that created inconsistencies didn't it buffy your sisters your friends all those people you created sunnydale they aren't as comforting as they once were are they they're coming apart ah so it's all dawn's fault dawn has shattered (laughs) reality I knew they were going to bring it back to Dawn somehow. <laughs> Dawn certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joyce is begging Buffy to listen. And the doctor says, you used to create these grand villains to battle against. And now what is it? Just ordinary students you went to high school with. No gods or monsters. Just three pathetic little men who like playing with toys. So I like what you said earlier about like the meta of it all, because I I do find this conversation very interesting because of I see it as a metaphor for season six. Like I think that the writers are being clever here. The, The whole point of Buffy being extraordinary in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show, and the reason she survived so long is because she has this friend group, this extraordinary friend group that helps her. Right. And we've we've pointed this out many times in the past. So 
what happens when you take that friend group away when they start breaking up as they did to them in season six? Buffy can't really survive anymore or she like she like the world isn't what she wants it to be so she might go to another world like i.e heaven right like i just think it's really meta and really interesting that they've done that Mm -hmm. and i think it's also them winking at the audience right like it's not just buffy who's realized that things are coming undone right that they're not as comforting as it once was the audience might be feeling that way about season six in general too because of all the like we keep saying it's been a downer right buffy's off her groove she hasn't been the buffy we know and love this whole season so she's trying to get there but she's not quite there yet so i this is where i clued into the episode and was like this is actually quite clever so i agree i agree it's clever my problem is if you're going to poke fun at your own show for your villains being less formidable or interesting this season than they were in the past like if you're gonna lampshade that it's gotta actually be good like the fact that they're pointing out that the villains aren't as good is not a good thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense um, for sure. And I, But I think I remember talking about this in a past episode too where I was starting to get the impression from season six that it's not about the trio. Um, the oh, actual big bads no. are depression and feeling isolated and abuse, right? And, and um, um, addiction. And that was I, I, just, I think there's an element of laziness here where they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, we know the trio are just some dudes, but we're just going to make fun of it in this episode. And that li- lets us off the hook instead of coming up with something more interesting. Yeah, no, no. I hear you on that end. Yeah, for sure. So that, that's why it's an interesting episode for this very reason, mm-hmm. right? There's there's some really yeah. good things that we can dig into and, and layers to the show and, and meta layers that are interesting to look at. But you're right, too. Like there's some laziness going on here. So let's get to Warren and Andrew coming down the stairs with packages. And Jonathan's like, where have you been? And Warren says, picking up some stuff. And Andrew says, checking out Buffy on the van's remote surveillance. And Warren is saying that demons, uh, Andrew's demon pet has done some number on the Slayer, got her tripping like a Ken Russell film festival. And Jonathan says, what kind of stuff? The packages, what's in them? And Warren says, you think we're plotting against you? And Jonathan says, better not be. Warren says, it's not, it's just stuff, big man, all right? Like, you'll be in the know just as soon as you stop being all freakazoid. And Warren uploads plans onto the computer. He's like, there's the vault. And Andrew says, I, st- I still say we're going to need eight other guys to pull this off. And Warren says, I never should have let you see that movie. So clearly, Warren and Andrew are in cahoots like something's going on between the two and jonathan's cluing into it so jonathan says uh, starts to go upstairs and warren runs over to stop and says where are you going jonathan says out getting stuff i need and warren says i don't really think that's such a good idea and jonathan says why not warren says it's just not safe out there alone you saw how close the slayer got we're a team something happens to you something happens to all of us right i know you're antsy we all are but things are about to pick up big time we just got to be careful right now all right stick together okay And uh, Andrew can't meet Jonathan's eyes while Warren is telling him that. Oh, so this descent among the ranks that we saw uh, after what happened with Katrina, right? Jonathan was the most shaken of all of them. It looks like there's a fracture forming in the trio. Will the trio soon become a duo? And will Jonathan have to become a solo act? Mm, Or will he run to Buffy and tell her everything, right? I I... I'm really disliking Andrew. You know, like, I, I mean, I've disliked them all since Katrina's death, for sure. And before that, when they were being such perverts. But um, this episode and, the, like, you know, this last time we saw him, like, Andrew is, like, 
really an unlikable character. And well, of the three of them, Andrew has received the least definition, right? Because Jonathan and Warren existed prior to this season. The show, again, has choked about the fact that nobody knows who Andrew is. Whereas, like, Jonathan is the character we're most likely to sympathize with because he's been around since high school. You know, you likened this back to Earshot. He was a, a big part of Earshot. So we kind of have a fondness for Jonathan. Warren obviously is a misogynistic murderer at this point, so we have no fondness for him. Um, so yeah, so like of the three of them, Jonathan seems like the most redeemable at this point. But the the thing with Andrew, because I hear what you're saying, the thing with Andrew is we don't really get to see Andrew outside of the scenes with him and Warren. I think the closest we saw to kind of a sweet thing from Andrew was when he drew the, the great Star Wars mural on the side of the van. And then Warren was like, cover it up. Everybody hates your art. Um, you know, like that was kind of cool. What I'm trying to say is I wish we had got to know Andrew, flaws and all, the same way we got to know Jonathan so that we could maybe judge him a little bit more fairly versus yeah. the other two. He's just a... A simpering follower at the moment. He, he's being seduced by Warren's yeah. confidence in a way that Jonathan also was initially. But I think part of the difference is Jonathan has long wanted to be part of a group like this. And so for a while, he was happy that he got what he wanted. But Jonathan, I think, also is very good at figuring out when things have gone too far. Right, like when you saw when you saw a superstar, uh, he went too far in superstar, and somebody pointed that out to him with the whole demon thing, and he's like, "Oh yeah, this isn't good. I gotta like give in and like face this and let Buffy kill this thing and, and reverse the spell." Um, and the same thing with Katrina, right? Like it took him far too long to realize that what they were doing was rape, and you know I can't defend him for that. But at the same time, he clued in eventually, and he knew that the whole murder thing and covering up for the murder was wrong. He went along with it out of fear, obviously. But, like, Jonathan has some kind of moral backbone. Again, I don't know what Andrew's deal is here. Yeah. But they're all just kind of, like, the both of them are kind of orbiting Warren, right? Or, Warren's really the linchpin of the trio here. And I, I, again, I'm curious to see how the dynamics shift now that it seems like Warren and Andrew are aligning against Jonathan. Hmm. So so Buffy is on the couch staring at a photo of her, Joyce, and Hank. No, Don. <laughs> um, from when she was a little girl. And Willow comes in and says, look, Buffy, I found the demon. It fits your descriptions and symptoms perfectly. It's Pokey Stinger carries the antidote to its own poison. And I was like, that's just like the demon in Earshot. Like They just needed to capture the demon and it creates its own anti-potion or anti-antidote. So Buffy doesn't look enthused by this. She just says, I feel so lost. Will says, I know you're confused. It's that crazy juice inside you. And Buffy says, it's more than that. Even before the demon, I've been so detached. And Willow says, we've all been kind of slumming. <laughs> so Buffy says, every day I try to snap out of it, figure out why I'm like that. And Willow says, Buffy, look, you're not in an institution. You have never been in an institution. Buffy says, yes, I have. Woo! Back when I saw my first vampires, I got so scared. I told my parents and they completely freaked. They thought that 
that there was something seriously wrong with me. So they sent me to a clinic and Will says, you never said anything about that. Buffy says, I was only there for a couple of weeks. I stopped talking about it and they let me go. Eventually my parents just forgot. Will says, God, that's horrible. Buffy is crying now. She says, what if I'm still there? What if I never left the clinic? And Will says, Buffy, you're not. I'm so sorry you had to go through that, but it's the past. You've got to trust me. We're going to get you this antidote. Xander's hunting the demon right now. And Buffy says, it's too strong. Will says, that's okay. We got help. So all of those times that Buffy told Joyce straight up in seasons one and two that she was a vampire slayer, like told her to her face, it never triggered Joyce in any way to remember that like she sent Buffy to an asylum for that very reason. (laughs) You have to remember, Steph, Joyce was stoned (laughs) all of season one and most of season two. Um, (laughs) Why do you think Joyce behaves such a stoner? She's like, I can't deal with the guilt of sending her to that clinic or the truth. (laughs) Okay. I think you and I have done a service to this entire show and to Joyce's character by giving her the high out, right? By being like, she was just too fucking stoned to get it. Like we are Joyce's greatest defenders because this episode does a disservice to Joyce's memory and Joyce's character because like, like Joyce, you literally got bit by Darla, the vampire in like episode seven of season one. And and you're just going to be like, nah, it's Buffy. Who's the crazy one. Like, like, like you and I are angels. We're, we're Joyce's defenders for life. This is a Joyce Stan podcast. Okay. We, we did away with all the awful things Joyce did by just being like, yo, weed is strong. Exactly. What can you do? Joyce is a problematic middle-aged white woman, but we are here for her. Oh, we're here for her. And remember, like, all of her stashes of the band candy? Like, where did all those, the the warehouse of band candy boxes go? Joyce was hustling those boxes. Can you imagine if, if Pam was still around, if Joyce were still around, they could have a podcast? Oh, They could be like Grace and Frankie. Like (laughs) they would have like such like a, you know, uh, an older like woman, like female friendship bonding kind of moment. Uh, Stoner Joyce could be like DJ Joyce on like a college radio. Like, God. Oh, yes. I love it. Uh, we miss you, Joyce. But yeah, this this is not a good look for you based on this episode. But don't worry, Car and I got your back. We will revise the revisionist history. Yes, that's not even headcanon. That's canon at this point. So, <laughs> cut to Spike and Xander uh, in the cemetery. So they used to be fighting, and now they're working together because that's how this show works. And I yep. I, I don't mind that. Whatever, sure. Spike is saying, so she's having the Wiggins, is she? Think none of us are real. Bloody self-centered, if you ask me. That That is literally the definition of solipsism, Spike, so good job. <laughs> and Xander says, Spike, we need muscle, not color commentary. That is rich coming from you, Xander Harris, because in the past, you've only ever provided the colored commentary because you are not the muscle. So, <laughs> like... Yeah, Xander's ugh. just jealous. Yeah. Spike says, on the other hand, it might explain some things. This all being in that twisted brain of hers. Fix up some chip in my head, make me soft, fall in love with her, then turn me into her sodding sex slave. (laughs) That's self-centered. Sanders like, like, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) And Spike's like, nothing. (laughs) 
Alternative realities where we're all figments of Buffy's funny farm delusions. You know, in a different reality, you might not have left your bride at the altar. You might have gone through with it, like a man. Mm. And Xander says, one more syllable about Anya. But the demon jumps out at them because the demon cannot stand hearing these two idiots talk anymore. <laughs> this is what's by, what uh, Steph has in her notes. He was like, enough! And he jumps out. <laughs> well, that's classic Sunday Del Demon, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always lying in wait. Uh, and then Spike says, oh, now I see why you wanted me to do, do this scene. <laughs> Spike says, oh, balls, you didn't say it was a Glark Gulkashmanik. Clearly related to an Imvashnik demon, right? (laughs) Imvashnik's brother. (laughs) Uh, And and Sandra's like, well, I can't say Glargable. Uh, And the demon fights. Spike fights back. Xander shoots the demon with the trank gun a couple of times. Doesn't seem to do anything. Um, It takes a while for the demon to go down. It punches back. um, But Spike finally manages to get the upper hand and then i see steph write in her notes and snaps its neck question mark thank you steph because it looks like from my perspective that spike killed it but then it's alive in the next scene he definitely snapped its neck like he did what buffy did to that um that alien demon in as you were like snapped his neck to the ground you know to tail (laughs) to tail oh god (laughs) This is just um, another Craigslist demon that Andrew hires. God, God. They're just don't go on Craigslist, anybody. Um, okay, so Xander can shoot a gun, but Buffy can't? Like, what? Remember it as you were? Buffy's like, I, I can't shoot the gun. Ooh, it's all over the place. But, but Xander can shoot the train gun? Okay, I don't believe it. So Dawn is bringing Buffy tea. She sits on her bed with her. Buffy says, Dawn, I'm okay. Dawn says the thousand yard stare really helps sell that. So Buffy feels, um, Dawn feels Buffy's cheek and she's like, you're burning up. She says, I should be taller than you. <laughs> and Dawn's like, maybe you're not done growing. And Buffy says, coming apart, we have to try harder, make things better. Dawn says, I'm trying. Buffy says, your grades, stealing? Willow's been doing your chores, your chores, isn't she? And I was like, well, we all know that Buffy has been doing all the chores. Like no one else does chores in this house except for Buffy. Yeah, it, you know what? They haven't addressed Dawn's stealing, really. I mean, Anya left. No. But, uh... I mean, to be fair, they'd be too busy getting trapped in a house, and then Riley came back, and then Xander left Anya at the altar. So it's been a whirlwind few weeks. Um, All the attention Dawn wanted from stealing those jewelries (laughs) and lipstick, like, she can't even get the fallout. Like, they're just like, other things are happening, Dawn. Sorry. Right? (laughs) Um, Who's taller, you or your sister? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Is this all delusion? <laughs> is it? Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> I, I like how the show is like, yeah, this is obviously a delusion because younger sisters can't be taller than older sisters. No, it's impossible. Everyone knows this. Dawn says it's the fever. It's a fever. It's cooking your brain. <laughs> and then we hear Joyce say, "You don't have a sister, Buffy." <gasps> well, whose fault is that, Joyce? <laughs> yeah, Joyce. What about you and Hank? Whose fault? Um, we cut back to the hospital room. Joyce is saying. Say it. It'll help you believe it. Buffy says, I don't have a sister. I, I know. I didn't grow up with her. These monks, they made her. 
<laughs> and Hank's like, it's your mind just playing tricks on you. And Joyce says, you're our little girl, Buffy, our one and only. We've missed you so much. Mom and dad just want to take you home and take care of you. And Buffy starts reaching for Joyce. But then we cut back to Buffy on her bed, reaching for Dawn. And Dawn is crying. She's like, I'm not even there, am I? You said it a second ago. You don't have a sister. It's your ideal reality. I'm not I'm not even part of it. And Buffy's like, Dawn, I didn't mean it. And Dawn says, I have to go finish my chores. And she runs out lies. <laughs> Dawn Summers. Donifer, once again... You have made this all about you in record time. <laughs> Listen, Donathan is going to make it about her no matter what. And I love it because I think she does have a right to be hurt by this. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't I do. agree. I do. I do. No, maybe she doesn't have a right to it, but I understand why she'd be upset because she's been upset about that this entire season. It's not new for her to feel neglected and forgotten about. So the fact that she's not even in Buffy's alternate reality would hurt her feelings. It would. So. But this is not about Dawn Drew, okay? This is Buffy's delusions. The fact that Dawn's not there should be a good sign because this is clearly not a good reality that Buffy's in, right? You know, that that's the thing that I didn't like about this exchange is when Dawn's like, it's your ideal reality. Excuse me, Dawn, did you not pay attention to the part where Buffy is committed to a mental institution? This is not Buffy's ideal reality. It's some kind of hell fantasy. So, of course, you're not there because Buffy actually likes having you around. But, of course, Dawn doesn't want to think about it this, that way because she'd rather complain. I, the, my sympathy for Dawn has no bounds because... <sighs> Earlier, we brought up that, like, earlier Xander brought up that she was just this universal, this ball of universal energy, right? And we, we and I say, no one talks about that anymore. Maybe for good reason, because it probably upsets Dawn. Because Dawn knows that she was placed into Buffy's life, that she's a burden on Buffy's life in a lot of ways. So for Buffy to have this other life, this other reality that she keeps going back to, where Dawn doesn't exist... I, like, I again, I just feel I understand why Dawn is upset about that. And I agree with you. I don't think that she should make this about her. This is definitely Buffy's issue, something that they need to be supporting her on. But again, I just I get it. <laughs> like, I get Dawn's being upset. So it turns out that snapping the demon's neck doesn't matter because Spike and Xander are attempting to chain the demon in the basement as Willow tries to get the needle from its arm. And uh, Xander gets tossed around a lot, which is great, as you and I said at the beginning of the episode. This is great to see. Uh, Willow takes the demon's arm needle and tells Xander to get the ingredients from the magic shop, just for the, the medicinal purposes, obviously. No no magic. And then she's going to go to the campus lab and whip up a quick antidote. No big deal. Sorry, is Willow taking science courses? Like, No, she's taking does drama. Does she just have <laughs> access to the campus lab? Like, can anybody just go into the campus lab? We'll ask this for the third year in a row. What is Willow's major? <laughs> also, Willow doesn't drive. Is she, Xander's presumably taking his car to the magic box. Is she walking the five miles? Oh, no, <laughs> no, don't start this. <laughs> it's been a while. Since. Did she grab that that bus? <laughs> is she taking the bus? Right, like what time is it? Does the bus still run? No, no, this makes total sense because she doesn't come back to bring Buffy the antidote until the morning because she spent three hours walking back and forth. Who's watching Dawn? <laughs> Dawn definitely went to Janice's. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just I'm laughing because. We always bring this stuff up every episode because 
the episode always brings it up, right? Like the writers put so much effort into like trying to justify everything where it's like, yeah, like Xander's going to be watching Dawn. Three, three scenes later, Xander is not watching Dawn. <laughs> um, so, so it's like, because the writers have made such a big deal out of like, we can't leave Dawn unsupervised. I'm just like, well, Buffy's not really in any capacity to supervise Dawn right now. Xander and Willow have left the house. What's going on with Dawn? Where is she? I'm just asking questions. Right, that's fair. Um, on their way out, um, Spike is saying he'll keep an eye on the the demon. Xander says, make sure that's all you're ogling, because he means Buffy, of course. Yeah, that's only I can ogle Buffy while she's changing. <sighs> it's morning, uh, I think. Willow is bringing Buffy her antidote to her room. And again, like I, like, I think that she walked the five miles to UC Sunnydale, stayed there all night, walked right back. Uh, Will says, if you drink all it all down, everything will be back to normal. Bobby says, you'll never stop coming through. Thank you, Willow. Spike is at the door. Will says, make sure she drinks all that. I'm going to let Dawn know everything's okay. And she goes. And I was like, What? Spike asks Buffy if she's all right. Buffy says, you need to leave me alone. You're not part of my life. <laughs> um, Spike throws another right tantrum. He says, fine then. I hope you don't think. But then he he ducks away from the sunlight because he was walking toward her. And he says, I hope you don't think that this antidote is going to rid you of that nasty mar- martyrdom. I can't even say this word. Martyrdom. I figured it out, love. You can't help yourself. You're not drawn to the dark like I thought. You're addicted to the misery. That's why you won't tell your pals about us. Might actually have to be happy if you did. They'd either understand and help you, God forbid, or drive you out where you finally be at peace in the dark with me. Either way, you'd be better off for it, but you're too twisted for that. Let yourself live already and stop with the bloody hero trip for a sec. We'd all be better off for it. You either tell your friends about us or I will. And he leaves. Buffy is looking deeply upset about this, obviously, and contemplates the antidote before pouring it out into the trash. And then we cut to Buffy in the hospital saying, I don't want to go back there because Spike's in my room. (laughs) She didn't say that. She says, I don't want to go back there. She wants to be healthy again. What do I have to do? Um, fuck you, Spike. Wow. Fuck you. Okay. Why does it seem like every second episode, Spike is lecturing Buffy? Spike gets all of these wonderful speeches in this season. And I say wonderful sarcastically, but like, you do you notice that Spike's yeah. kind of taking on the role of Xander from earlier seasons, where Xander was always lecturing Buffy about how she's not a go- good enough girlfriend, but also he hates her boyfriend. Um, <laughs> like, do do you see what I mean? Like, it seems like every second episode, Spike is getting on his high horse and being like, "I'm going to tell it like it is, Buffy." Well, what I think is so funny is back in season five, you and I were comparing Spike and Riley together. Like we were comparing the two of them. We're like, stop comparing Spike to Angel. Compare him to Riley because they're a lot more similar. Well, here we are again with another wonderful ultimatum, right? And the last guy to give her an ultimatum was Riley. And here he is saying like, if you don't tell your friends about us, I'm going to because Spike wants her to get rejected by her friends so that she will call, come crawling back to him. Then you'll be in the dark with me again. I think you're giving Spike too much credit. I think he's just lashing out. He's hurt. I don't think he really knows what's going to get Buffy back with him. He might hope, like you're saying, that this will somehow bring her around. 
I think at this point, he's just kind of like in it for the lulls. <laughs> well, I mean, it's because he, quote, loves, end quote, her. Um, if he loved her, he would stay and make sure she drank that. They, thank you. That's It's like so simple. It's like, yeah, if he loved her, that's what he would do. But he's a demon, Kara. Like, if you love somebody, you don't flounce away because they've insulted you and your ego. <laughs> Also, you don't tell the person who thinks that the world that you exist in is not real that she should stop being a bloody hero because that is suicidal, my friend. You're actually pushing her to choose her delusional world. (laughs) Spike is not a good guy. And can I just, just for fun, can I just compare him to Angel in Earshot (laughs) for a hot second? Because Angel invented blankets in the sun that that episode he ran to buffy's house with the antidote that him and giles and wesley brewed up all night too um i i think i think we're giving too much willow too much credit for coming up with the antidote when they already had it from earlier and he made sure buffy drank down that like glowy goo until she no longer heard people in her mind he saved her and then here we have spike being like uh fuck you you know i i hope that you do end up in delusional world because fuck you but steph angel had a soul in that episode <laughs> i'm hey i don't people say you have to compare apples to apples no you don't i can compare episode to episode and that's what happened in that episode and this is what's happening in this episode and like you and i already said spike you're a motherfucker you're not a good guy we know this but it was really annoying for me to hear the ultimatum from him and then also, on top of that, to hear him encourage Buffy to be like, wow, fuck this, and I'm going to go live in delusional world because it's way nicer to me mm-hmm. than here. Ooh-hoo. The Xander slander is strong. The Spike dislike is strong in this episode. I am here for it. This episode is just getting better and better. And, and the Joyce and Angel memory is stronger than ever. The Dawn defending. The Donathan defenders is what we are. So Buffy is telling her parents she wants to go home with them. And Joyce says, well, first you have to get better. Thanks, Joyce. Thanks, Joyce. Thanks for coming out. The doctor says, you have to take one step at a time. You have to start ridding your mind of those things that support the hallucinations. Understand? There are things that in that world that you cling to. For your delusions, they're safety holds. For your mind, they're traps. You have to break those down. Buffy says, slaying? The doctor says, I'm talking about things you want there. What keeps you going back? Buffy says, my friends. And the doctor says, yes. Last summer, when you had a momentary awakening, it was them that pulled you back in. He is, of course, referring to Buffy having died. Joyce says, they aren't really your friends, Buffy. They're just tricks keeping you from getting healthy. And the doctor says, you have to do whatever it takes to convince yourself of that, Buffy. Whatever it takes. Dr. Delusional, you need to chill out for one second. I thought it was actually really clever that they called back to her time in heaven, right? As and as coming up and being normal again. Ooh, there's the title. Um, with her mom, right? And I think people have speculated in the past, was Buffy with her mother when she was in heaven, where she says, like, I was complete. I was happy. I was, like, chill. I've, I've seen people bring up that mm. argument before. So... I, I just thought it was very interesting that, that they're calling back to that time, that six-month period where Buffy was in heaven. I would like to hear from anybody who's listening who is a mental health professional, how accurate is all of this, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about how you treat people with schizophrenia. 
is this the kind of counseling that a doctor would give a patient who has these kinds of hallucinations? You know, kill you everybody? should kill your hallucinations. <laughs> I feel like that's not a responsible thing to be encouraging. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this doctor is actually doing a good job. Uh, write in, please. Dr. Delusional kind of seems to me like an X-Men villain where he's like, kill everybody, kill them all. <laughs> yes, that's like, the vibe I'm getting yeah. to. Um, <laughs> anyway. Buffy's in the living room. And Willow's asking her if she feels better. Do the antidote work? And Buffy says she's still pretty dazed, but better. Lies. Lies. Willow's like, no more cuckoo's nest. We still have the big bad all tranked up down in the basement in case it didn't work. Uh, and he survives neck snaps. So don't worry about like, just just for your information. We found that out. Um, we need more parts. It'll be nice to see you all better. And Buffy's like, thanks. Willow offers to make her food to clear her noggin. Buffy agrees. So they hold hands and walk to the kitchen. Xander comes in. Who knows how long after that? Like, I don't know, 10 minutes, an hour? Who can say? Xander comes in and says he's back. He can't find anybody. So he goes to the kitchen. He sees Buffy standing by the sink by herself. Xander says, um, hey there, sane girl. Did Willow get the antidote to you all right? And Buffy's like, yeah, I'm better now. Xander's like, great. So it's settled. We're real, right? Guess we should finish off that demon and drag it out of the basement. Tell me you're up to that because I don't want to see Spike right now. I mean, talk about losing touch. I hate to say it, but I think I'm starting to feel sorry for the guy. The thing that poor guy was saying, it's got to be part of that Buffy obsession. He, and then he says, like, I get it, being part of that Buffy obsession. So before we see Xander get his, <laughs> um, remember when he was feeling sorry for Spike when Spike had the Buffy bot and lost it? He was like, I started to feel sorry for the guy. And then he's like, here, like, Spike is saying, like, oh, I had sex with Buffy. He's like, I feel sorry for the guy. And then he brings up again his Buffy obsession, which you, which remember in Hell's Bells, I was saying, like, when they keep showing Buffy in Xander's imaginary future visions, it's all about Buffy. Like, are they still alluding to the fact that he's never going to get over her? And then bringing mm. he's bringing it up again one episode later. Like, it can't just be coincidence. <sighs> he's like, well, Anya's out of the picture now, Buffy, and you're single. Hint to hint. <laughs> we all know Anya ran to London to go be with Giles. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so what does Buffy do, Steph? Oh. She, like I said, Xander gets his. She hits him over the in the face with a frying pan. <laughs> I know that I know that she's under the influence of you know psychotropic demon venom Stop, at this point. Uh, the, yeah, arm needle, arm needle. Yeah, but like, go Buffy. <laughs> that was awesome. Once again, Xander is getting absolutely destroyed in this episode, and he I should love be it. dead. Like I haven't said that Xander should be dead in a while, as in like based on the trauma he's that definitely he definitely got cte at this point like, <laughs> like he's taken over for giles at the concussion department he hasn't taken a beating like this since the troll um so buffy beats him up a bit then drags him downstairs like literally drags him down the stairs <laughs> thump, 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 thump. Th yeah it's awesome and then she, willow's hog tied down there and there's a tape <sighs> over her mouth xander passes out as buffy stares down at them and the demon growls so buffy goes back upstairs and she locks the basement door and i must say this is where I was getting like serial killer Buffy vibes, like horror movie vibes. Oh yeah, vibes. because Sarah Michelle Gellar could pull it off, right? Like, yeah, I was like, I was feeling tense. I was like, this is fun. Like it's Halloween's coming up. This is like, ooh. Something I wish we had had, and I mean, we have a season to go. Maybe it'll happen. I would like an evil Buffy. Do we not get one? Have we not gotten one before? I guess not, no. eh? No, you're right. Like, I, I would like, uh, you know, Buffy 
maybe like she gets cloned or something or like she just goes dark side for a few episodes right but like how cool would that be like an evil buffy so this is giving us an essence of that remember when um faith used to dream about buffy back in season four before she woke up from her coma and buffy was kind of stalking her in that in that dream so we get essences of it and you're right like it'd be really sick to have like an actual episode about it uh one can dream so she calls for dawn goes upstairs to find her dawn's packing a bag she says don't you knock (laughs) Ooh, it was it was delicious buffy says i called for you and dawn's like yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm going to Janice's where they actually like having me around. My God, Don. She's not lying. They do like having her around. They like making her Mexican food. Uh, Buffy says, "You're not going anywhere." <laughs> Don's like, "Why not? You want me gone anyway. Why do you care?" And Buffy says, "I care. You're going downstairs with the others. It's the only way I can get healthy." And Don's like, "What are you talking about, Buffy? You look sick. What are you doing? What's wrong with you?" And Buffy goes to grab her. Don dodges her, runs to the bathroom, screaming for Willow. On the other side of the door, she's like, "Buffy, please, like, talk to me. You're hallucinating." Buffy's like, "I know. You're just a trap of my mind." And Dawn says, Buffy, listen to me. The asylum and those people, they're not real. And Buffy kicks open the door. Dawn runs through Joyce's room and Buffy meets her on the other side of the door. And Dawn says, Buffy, look at me. I'm right here. You're my sister. I need you and I love you. Somewhere inside you, you must know that's real. And Buffy's like, sure it is. Because what's more real? A sick girl in an institution or some kind of supergirl chosen to fight demons and save the world? That's ridiculous. And Dawn slams the door, but Buffy kicks it down. Dawn's screaming as Buffy says, a girl who sleeps with a vampire she hates. Yeah, that makes sense. Buffy tackles Dawn to the ground, who's like, stop. But I think, is she saying, stop, Buffy, don't take me? Or stop, Buffy, don't tell me that you slept with Spike. That's weird. (laughs) So you'll notice that now two people in the show have learned that Buffy and Spike have been sleeping together. One from Spike, one from Buffy. But in both cases, Xander and Dawn, respectively, could write it off as like gibberish. Like not, it's not actually real. It's a joke. Yeah, but we're not going to give them the grace that we gave Joyce to say that they're high, right? Like they, they're just, they're just, they don't believe it. They're just like, or they're preoccupied. They don't even think about that. Right. But I yeah. think, that, I think this is an interesting way, a parallel, right? Buffy and Spike both confessing what's been going on but not being believed. Mm. So in the basement, Buffy has tied Dawn up and taped over her mouth. We cut back and forth in this scene to like um, the hospital and then this. So the doctor delusional is saying, it's okay, Buffy, don't stress yourself. And Joyce is like, take your time. And the doctor's like, make it easy as your, for yourself as possible. Nothing wrong with that. So Buffy is standing watching the Scoobies as Xander wakes up. He's like, Buffy, what are you doing? Buffy unchains the demon. And Xander's like, oh my God. <laughs> and the demon stalks toward them and Buffy is visibly struggling with watching this happen. Xander calls for help. He's like, Buffy, help! And Buffy um, backs against the wall under the stairs. That's when Tara comes to the house and like I said, I think she was coming to explain to Willow or be like, were you trying to talk to me? Right? Like, um, from earlier? Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't pick up on that, so thanks for mentioning that. Or they called Tara over to bring her to Janice's. <laughs> so Xander kicks the demon back and manages to break his ropes before getting thrown into a fridge. Like, like he gets beat up here. I was about to say, like, if Xander wasn't dead from earlier in the episode, he should have died in this fight. Right? So back in the asylum, Buffy's cowering at the wall in the corner, and Joyce is like, it's gonna, it's gonna be okay, sweetie. Whatever it is, it's not real, remember? Keep concentrating. So Xander is calling for Buffy to help as the demon beats on him. Tara comes down the stairs and she sees what's happening and she acts quickly.
quickly. She's like, she magically releases all the ropes from everybody and uses a spell to knock the demon, uh, to knock a bunch of shelves onto the demon. And I was like, no, Zender built those. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you for reminding me. This is another point I wanted to bring up was the basement's looking really good considering earlier in this season, it was flooded with like two or three feet of water. Very true. So Buffy makes Tara trip down the stairs and she crashes to the ground. Back at the asylum, Buffy is struggling. Joyce is like, I believe in you. You're a survivor. You can do this. Uh, the demon now has Dawn and Xander stops him and then he gets thrown into the shelves. Dawn is screaming and she gets thrown. Willow tries to fight off the demon with a bat. Um, Buffy in the asylum is like, Willow! And Joyce is telling her to fight it. She says, you're too good to give in. You can beat this thing. Be strong, baby, okay? I know you're afraid. I know the world feels like a hard place sometimes, but you've got people who love you. Your dad and I have all the faith in the world in you. We'll always be with you. You've got a world of strength in your heart. I know you do. You just have to find it again. Believe in yourself. And Buffy hears this. And as Joyce is stroking her hair, Buffy looks at her and she says, you're right. Thank you. And Joyce smiles and Buffy says, goodbye. And she looks down and away. I cried. I oh, cried. Well, let's get into it in a second. Uh, Buffy in the basement walks to the demon and punches through its body, killing it. Uh, I guess that kills it. Not, you know, doesn't need his neck, but definitely can't have a hole in his body. Uh, she looks at her friends. Xander is remarkably alive and like not bleeding. She apologizes and Xander's like, it's okay. We're all okay. Willow says, Buffy, should, you should sit down. Buffy says, I can't until I have the antidote. Willow says, okay, we'll, we'll make more. We'll take care of it. Everything's going to be okay. And let's just do the last little bit. We cut back to the Dr. Delusional, shining a flashlight into Buffy's eyes, which are dead inside. And she, he's telling Joyce and Hank, I'm sorry, there's no reaction. I'm afraid we lost her. And Joyce starts sobbing onto Hank's shoulder and that is the end well it it pulls back the camera pulls back on the door of the room room in the hospital yeah so i agree i i teared up during joyce's speech well she got to say goodbye to her mom like that she (laughs) didn't get that right last year so like this was even if it's a delusion right it's it's buffy getting one last chance to see her mom and say the thing she wanted to say to her mom after her mom just gave her a really good pep talk, by the way. Yes. Um, and then she's like, thank you. And then she's like, goodbye. She's letting go in a way that she wasn't able to do because of Joyce's sudden death. Yeah. It's so fucking poignant. It's so beautiful. And like, I was tearing up like exactly what you said. It was like, oh my God, this, this is goodbye. Like what a blessing this actually is for her to have. Well, and she's she's letting go of her mom, right? Like I think she's been holding on to Joyce for so long. And her saying goodbye is not just letting go of, you know, this normal life that she could have, but she's also letting go of the idea of like, you know, I lost my mom and may, I, I don't know, maybe she thought there's still a way to bring Joyce back, right? Like Willow brought her back. Maybe there's maybe she's been holding on to a little sliver of hope that she could bring Joyce back one day. And she's letting go of everything. And she's saying goodbye to Joyce. And she's like, my mom is gone. And I have to live with that. And I have to move forward. Because I, I have to be honest. We've talked a lot in this season about Buffy feeling not herself since being resurrected. And how that might cause Buffy to want to unalive herself. But at the same time, I think part of it is she's still hung up on losing Joyce. I think it's not just being brought back from the dead that's causing this ongoing trauma for Buffy this season. I think it's the fact that she never got over Joyce's death. 
and, and that was what led to the events at the end of season five and Buffy sacrificing herself, right? So like we're we're peeling back the layers of Buffy's trauma here. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. It's also so touching because do you remember back in I think it was flooded and Giles was giving her the speech like you can do this Buffy because your mom could do it so so could you and I had said back then that that was really touching to me because sometimes when you're struggling you think about people who have struggled and maybe lost the fight like I know because my mother passed away too that you get strength from thinking about they did this too so to have this opportunity for Buffy to not only say goodbye to her mother, but to be uplifted by her mother again, for her mother to literally tell her, you can do it. Don't be afraid. The world is hard, but you have people who love you will always be with you, right? Like you have the strength to do it. We believe in you. I think it's just so mm-hmm. beautiful. And it's it's exactly what Buffy needs to hear, not just in this moment, but for the whole season. Yes. She needed her mom. She just needed her mom, right? Yes. And like, I'm just like getting so teary. To have her say that to her is it's really beautiful. And that's why this episode really stands out to me because I wasn't expecting to have this catharsis on this, this moment for Buffy to actually have what she always needed since the body with her mother. And that was a goodbye, but also we're here, Buffy. I'm always here. I always believe in you. I always love you. Right. And Buffy is choosing, you know, to, to, of the two realities, if you will, she's choosing the reality without Joyce in it. She's saying goodbye to Joyce because she's choosing the reality where Joyce is dead. And that echoes back to Buffy's line in the gift where she says the hardest thing, you know, about life is living it, right? So um, she's reminding herself of that. She's saying like, this is the harder version of reality because my mom's not here, but it is my reality. And she's reaffirming that to herself by letting go of Joyce and saying, it is harder to live in this version, but I have to, and I'm accepting that. And I, I think that's really powerful too. It makes Buffy a hero again. Like we know that Buffy's the hero of the story, but um, it reinforces it for me because she has been struggling this season, but to make this choice to go back and be in Sunnydale as opposed to being with her mom. S- sorry, I, I thought Spike and Xander were the heroes. They're the ones who found the demon and brought the demon back. Um, they're nope. the big, strong men, Steph. Um, um, Spike's the-, the one who gave Buffy yet another speech of the season to snap her out of it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, Xander tag-teamed with Spike by coming back and getting hit by a frying pan for his trouble of, you know, reminding Buffy that it's okay that Spike's into her and he, she should just give into it, right? <laughs> like, Spike and Xander are the real heroes here. Yeah, we should, we're really not giving them their due. We haven't talked about them enough in a positive light at all. Uh, no, I will not talk about them in an episode where Joyce is the <laughs> ultimate hero. Joyce and Buffy together, the Summers girls. It's interesting that you said that we we're already talking about Joyce because I know that a lot of people want to debate, right? Does this mean this whole thing, the Slayer and Sunnydale exists in Buffy's mind? Or no, is it real? (laughs) But I mean, and I think there's a big debate about that, right? Like, and it makes a lot of people angry, I think, to think that this fictional world is double fictional (laughs) inside Buffy's head. (laughs) That's the thing, right? It's like for the the people who are like, but 
But is this all a delusion? It's like, yes. Well, technically, this is all Joss Whedon's imagination. Joss Whedon's delusion. Yeah, that's kind of the point of the episode, right? Is this is his commentary on the (laughs) fact that all of TV is actually just some writer or writer's delusions, right? And in and in Buffy's world, when she goes back to, if she did pick the Joyce world, Doctor Delusional would have created this world in a TV series anyway. He would have stolen all the ideas. So, um. What what my answer would be if someone asks, like, do you think it's, you know, the alternate reality? Is it real or not? Is it in Buffy's head? My answer would be it doesn't really matter because you and I have already pointed out what the point of it is. I think what matters is that Buffy made a choice, right? And it's the same type of choice that has been running across the entire series from season one to now, right? The choice that she pointed out to Ford back in Lie to Me in season two, right? You have a choice. It's not always an easy choice. It's not always a good choice, but it's a choice that you can make. Buffy is being a hero once again and being selfless in a lot of ways because she could have chosen her parents and Joyce and she could have gone with them and been taken care of and they're still together in there and there's no dawn so there's no responsibilities on Buffy's end except for just you know getting better but she didn't choose that right she chose a life that's hard Mm -hmm. and painful sometimes she chose a chosen family that loves her and that she loves as well and it's the selfless road Mm -hmm. that is the difference between getting pulled out of heaven back in marketing at the beginning of the season and now choosing to come back to this world and call it home so well said. Uh, I agree with everything. I agree with you. You know, and I, I, I earlier I said, I'm like, this is ridiculous if you think that the whole series is a delusion. I mean, think what you want to think, right? Like, it's fun to debate it. It's fun to argue about it. That's why we watch TV shows like this. I agree with you. I don't think it really matters. I don't think that it's a serious proposition on the part of the writers, right? Like, I don't think Joss Whedon is like, ha, 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 like... This has been a dream the whole time, you know, silly Buffy fans. No, like, I don't think that's the point here. Because there are shows like that, right? Like, spoilers for Supernatural, but all of Supernatural is Chuck writing the show, (laughs) right? Like, who's God, by the way? A little bit on the nose. Um, Like, there, there are shows that have done that, right? And they've been a lot more explicit about that. <laughs> Just, I'm kind of laughing to myself because it's like, we promised to be spoiler-free for Buffy, but not for other shows. <laughs> like, that's not- it's 15 seasons. So like, <laughs> if you haven't watched Supernatural at this point, you've got a lot to commit to. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Just watch the first five seasons, y'all. Um, so yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's fun to argue it. It's fun to debate it and speculate and be like, but what if, or write the fanfic for it. But at the end of the day, if we're treating this as a show that we want to critique seriously for seven seasons, which I guess is what we've committed to, <laughs> we're not going to stop no, I now. I mean, we're almost done. So yes, <laughs> we've committed. Yeah. <laughs> um, this seems to be going well. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, if, if that's the position we're coming at this from, I don't think that we could seriously say it's all a dream or a delusion just because at that point we've now like undermined everything <laughs> we've talked about. No, honestly, honestly though, like I'm, I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in my mind, but if I Is were to- Is this whole series Stoner Joyce having just a really good, good this moment? This is a hallucination <laughs> on Joyce's end. We already talked about it, that in the end of season four, uh, Restless. We were like, are we all just in Joyce's dream? Um, okay. If I had to pick between the two, though, like, I do think that Sunnydale is the real 
part. And that's because, um, and I only made this decision this rewatch because I forget, I'm so sorry, I forget who did it, but we had a recent hot stake from somebody who said, remember at the end of Once More With Feeling when um, Spike and Buffy had their coda, you know, I died (laughs) so many years ago. And it was like, well, why are they still singing Sweet Left? And this person had in their hot steak had said, it's like the residual magic of Sweet. Like he left the area and his magic is slowly dissipating. Well, she hasn't had the antidote yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, she, she's still yeah, hallucinating. She's still going to have these delusions until Willow gets her the antidote. Like if there weren't enough arm needle juice <laughs> Sorry. If there weren't enough <laughs> arm needle juice left, Buffy would be having these hallucinations until it wore off naturally, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So that, so that's, that, to me, kind of solidifies that the Joyce world is the vision. Can I just add one more thing, which is, do we think that Andrew or Warren or whoever, did they know that this was the side effect of the, the demon that they were sending after Buffy? So this is the second time that Warren has tried to fuck with Buffy's mind. Yes. I'm just pointing that out. I don't know if they would know the specifics of what she would envision, but they probably knew that she would get loopy from it. Right. But like previously, they messed with Buffy's mind to try to frame her for Katrina's murder and get her to confess, right? Yeah. So like, I think it's interesting that, you know, both of these times that they've attacked the Slayer, they've used like mind control mm-hmm. it's almost as if these men don't respect women and boundaries i'm shocked shocked i say uh so i chose buffy and joyce as my heroes did you have your pick i mean i can't argue with that that's yeah. your that is the correct pick here <laughs> really because you made a really good case for xander and spike i almost was sued <laughs> maybe next time maybe you, you know i got a cape for them all the time you yeah, know the- you know me this is a Spike uh, loving podcast, so it makes sense. Um, so we got one hot stake, uh, which is not about this episode, but um, Crystal wrote in responding to our call for hairdressers talking about crisis haircuts. Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, so Crystal observes that she's no longer a hairdresser, uh, but when she was, she would probably get about once a month somebody coming in not so much having already cut their hair like Buffy did, but just being like, take it all off. Like, you know, change my life. Um, and then she added something that I thought was really interesting and does kind of dovetail with the theme of this episode. So Crystal goes on to say, since getting out of hair, I now work in community social services, and I really do believe that hairdressers should have mental health training. We are in a very intimate and close setting with our clients. You're literally touching them as soon as they sit down. Some of them may be in a crisis situation, and they will open up to you in a way that they may not open up to others. Now that I have this training, I really do wish that my employers had provided it when I was still doing hair. I just thought that was a really good point to make. I agree with you. I mean, coming from the point of view of an educator... I wish we gave teachers better mental health training. Like there, there are mental first aid, mental health first aid courses, but they are very expensive. And yes, the school board will sometimes pay for that. But again, it's like it's a very intensive training course. It takes you know you away from the job for a while. But like we get very basic mental health training here, and I agree with you, Crystal. It's like anybody who's on the front line and dealing with people on like this client basis in a very like intimate setting we deserve to be better prepared because I I have students. I mostly deal with adult learners. 
I have students who will like be dumping trauma on me and I'll just be like, uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Thanks for sharing. I don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. Really good point, Crystal. Uh, thanks for writing in. And I also want to give a shout out quick to all the people. I mean, all our listeners, really. You guys are so lovely. But we've been getting a lot of like really nice messages from people lately. Yeah. Right? Like we, I don't know why, but like this week we got like a, uh, like a bunch of emails and messages of people just saying that they've either newly found the podcast or they've caught up or they just in general just really love listening and they get a lot out of our discussions and it just it just makes me and Cara feel so good so I just wanted to do a quick little shout out and say thanks so much for everyone's participation and and for your support it's really it it makes us feel really good thank you so much for all the compliments everybody thank you so much for the hot stakes thank you for disagreeing with us respectfully when you choose to Um, And thank you to our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, um, and especially thank you to our chosen ones. Thank you to Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, Amy, and Rochelle. Jasmine, Susanna, Reese, Joshua, Luis, Nicola, Julian, Jordan, Kayla, Holly, and Lizzie. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. Also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Can't wait to hear from you. Praise Malik. See you next week.